podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Hopefully, maybe you're off, maybe you're sitting on a lake right now, or maybe you're going for a jog and you're listening to this. Episode 399 of Coach Unplugged. Today, we're going to talk to one of the top coaches in the, in the state of Wisconsin, um, Forrest Larson. It's a great interview. I mean, it is a rewind episode, but I think it's uh, it's noteworthy to do that in the summer to kind of pull some of these gems out so you could listen to it. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like to uh, give a big shout out to Dr. Dish. Um, you know, the, the shooting machine that you need in your, you know, you've heard me all week, heard me earlier in the week talk about how fast I could break it down. You heard about how versatile it is and how many workouts, but you should check it out yourself and give them a call. They'll, they'll come out and even show you how it works. So make sure you go do that. I'll mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $300 off your next purchase. Also, like I said earlier in the week, um, we ask our players to work on their craft. I'm asking you to work on your craft. Come over and join teachhoops.com. You know, get a one-on-one call with me. Get office hours. Uh, find more resources, more videos that pertain to what you're doing. You know, they're not they're not these things. You know, we just we just put up a new course about um, picking a defense. We did one on picking an offense. We're doing one on building a program. We're doing one on quick hitters. We, but but not only those courses we have all sorts of resources if it's running the read and react if it's setting up a zone defense hours and hours hundreds hundreds almost thousands of hours of resources so um come over and check it out and let's head off to the podcast steve collins all right welcome to coach unplugged so this is this is uh, an exciting day for me because this is the first wisconsin coach that i've interviewed and i'm on episode i believe Oh gosh, 135, 136 of the, of my podcast. So um, I'm going to have Coach Larson kind of tell his story, and then I've got some stories too that I, that I can share. But I'm going to have him tell his kind of journey, even though I know most of it. I'm going to have him tell it to all the listeners, and then uh, we'll go from there. It's all yours, Coach. Coach, I graduated a long time ago in 1975 from Phillips High School. Played okay. basketball for a great high school coach, Barney Slowey, who – that's the guy, uh, the reason I went to teaching and uh, coaching was because of uh, Coach Slowey. And then uh, played two years at UW-Marshfield, played two years at UW-Superior, played two minutes and two years. So that was a hell of a career. Uh, right there. <laughs> Got my uh, first coaching job in Plum City, Wisconsin in 1980, promptly okay. 0-17. Superintendent stopped down to my room uh, that spring, said, hey, you guys, uh, another year like that, you're done. So, uh, fortunately, I went to a Dick Bennett clinic in the fall of um, 81, and that guy saved my career. I became Dick Bennett uh, in, in 1981, watching that guy run practice in his clinics, and um, that guy really, really helped me. So, I was at Plum City from 80 to 86. I went back to school for a year at Stout. I was a graduate assistant for Coach Mintz for a year, went to Ohio for a year and coached because I couldn't find a job in Wisconsin. And then the Ladysmith job opened up. So we uh, came back to Wisconsin. I was in Ladysmith for 15 years from 88 to 2003, came down to Lake Geneva. Uh, Two stints here in Lake Geneva, 2003 to I think, uh, I wanna say 2009. And then I got out to kind of watch my daughter play. That's what everybody says. Um, And then 
they asked me to take it back for one or two years, and that unfortunately turned into four. And I just finished up that fourth and last year here at Lake Geneva Badger. Okay, so let's uh, a couple things I want to delve in. First of all, is it's interesting why we get into coaching because my I, I I had John Boyle, and he, I mean, I fell in love with basketball because of him. It's amazing how what the along the journey the different people that influence you to to take to take your journey. I think is very intriguing, and I don't I don't know if people always realize that. Um, so tell me what it's like to coach your son, because I, I have a sophomore son. Tell me what it was like to coach your son, because he was a heck of a player. It, it, was, it was intense, probably too intense, um, okay. you know, because uh, we were, you know, I had met John Miller. when I, That year I coached in Ohio, I went out and met John Miller. Right. Sean Miller, and they were, and uh, I mean, they were really into the drills, the ball handling, and we kind of went that route. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, I was taking this guy when he was little, I'm throwing him in the back of my car at three 30 in the morning. We're driving down to Northern Iowa to right. do a hour ball handling thing when he's seven or eight years old. And then we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we're driving home, you know, the next day we're going over to the twin cities to talk at Clem Haskins camp. And, um, you know, so that was, I mean, we were really in the gym a ton Right. When he got into high school, he started as a freshman, and thank heavens that got off to a good start. But I was—I um, I made a conscious effort to be harder on him than anybody else. And I don't know if that was a good decision or not, just so nobody could come back and say, hey, listen, uh, you're favoring this guy. There's some favoritism here. And, and he was a pretty good high school player. Right. Uh, you know, so, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of problems there. And plus, we were winning. You know, right. we were pretty successful. So when you know people would love to criticize you, but it's hard to do when when you're when you're successful uh, sometimes. So it um, it flew by way too quick. It's oh, amazing. I've noticed I've noticed that with my son too. And we kind of have a rule that as soon as I get in the car, it used to be as soon as we pulled in the driveway, <laughs> but as soon as we get in the car, we're leaving school, and I don't unless he brings it up, we don't talk basketball at all. We um, we, we pretty much had the same rule. Once yeah. We got in the car. We, we uh, you know, we never watched film at home together. Uh, we never, you know, did the whole edits thing. Uh, you know, we really didn't discuss it uh, a whole lot uh, once once we got home. But it was intense, maybe and maybe maybe too intense. Right, and I think that's a good thing for people listening too. I think you got to set some boundaries because I don't really want to go grab him on a Thursday night in in January and watch film with him at home. I want to be dad at that point and say, why aren't you doing your homework? Oh, you know, you got to kind of separate those boundaries. I think that's uh, I think that's really a good thing. Um, so go into your ball handling thing, because one of the first DVDs I bought was your two ball ball handling. I still do some of that stuff with my guys. Um, how, how did that all come about? That was a, we, we pretty much stole everything from John Miller. That guy does not. He was the best high school, one of the best high school coaches in America. I think I think at Blackhawk High School in uh, Pennsylvania. And we modeled it once I met that guy. We modeled our program in Ladysmith after what he was doing. And he had all those little guys into the drills. Right. And, uh, you know, I went to his house. That guy was always just, in fact, I just saw him a couple of weeks ago. I was out in Pennsylvania. And, you know, he's retired now from uh, high school coaching, but he's running a big-time girls AAU program. And he's got his own gym. So he's doing individual instruction yet. Now okay. I'm on 75, 76. But, you know, what – 
it, it kind of started with my guys in Plum City, like in 82, 83, there was a Converse publication that used to come out and Sean Miller was 12 years old. Right. And uh, I'm at Plum City. We lose to Boyceville, 57, 56, and we had 32 turnovers. <laughs> and I got great, hardworking kids. They're all farm kids. Right. You know, 90% of our kids were, uh, they were dairy farmers. Right. Uh, and hardworking kids, zero skills. Right. Uh, I read this Converse publication, and then I, I, I wrote John Miller a letter, and he sent me a book called Ball Handling Magic. And uh, he had all the one ball, two ball drills in there, three ball, four, had all the drills in there. So I started to do them so I could show them to our guys at Plum City. Right. So it started from there. And then I started working with my son uh, from there. And those were probably some of the best days because we had a full court down in our basement. Uh, the rims were about, I'm going to say, five and a half feet high. Right. The court was probably 15, 20 feet long. Right. Had all the EDA posters on the wall. We had stuffed animals down there for the crowd. Right. We had the, uh, music. But just like the Millers, we charted everything. So we play. I, you know, he had a Magic Johnson jersey. I'd do introductions. Um, this guy would come out. I mean, he's like seven, eight, nine years old. I'm introducing him. We'd play two, three games, full court when I want. I'm pressing the living hell out of this guy. Uh, and then we'd right. do a halftime show. We'd do the drills, chart them. So that's how the, the whole ball handling thing got started. And then Eddie Andrews at Ladysmith said, hey, we got to run a perimeter camp. I said, Ed, you're crazy. Nobody's coming to Ladysmith. Best idea that guy ever had. Right. We'd get 150, 200 kids at those camps in Ladysmith uh, back in the uh, early 90s. So right. it started from there. And then uh, – Good friend of mine who's at Indiana now, assistant coach Tom Ostrom. He was a manager for Clem Haskins. He said, Coach, we should do a, a VHS tape. He got a $10,000 loan. That's how much it cost to do right. a VHS tape back in the day. Um, we snuck into Williams Arena. Uh, coach Ostrom was a manager for Clem Haskins. So we sneak into uh, Williams Arena. This uh, camera crew comes in with two cameras. Okay. And, uh, we do the first uh, VHS tape, um, take it to the rim. And that was, my son was in eighth grade. So that had to be uh, 91, 92, something like that. Right. Uh, back then. So that's how it all got going. Well, and I, and I think, I think what was genius on your part is, and it's changed, I think it's changed because of AAU and that, but in that point, there wasn't a place for those kids to get the competition that they needed to improve their skills. Um, and I still think, you know, they should be doing these things anyway. But at that point, there wasn't the there wasn't that summer circuit um, where they could go out and play and, and push themselves. And that was that was filling a niche at that point. I think for so many people, um, yeah. I mean, I just it, it's it's yeah. And what have you done? Any videos since then? Take it to the rim. What are the other uh, ones? You know what we've we've done? Uh, we did a simplified run and jump press. Uh, from when we actually pressed. I, I don't think we pressed you guys very hard in the state. I, think we were, oh, I still remember going out to breakfast with, was it breakfast or dinner or a piece of pie or something? No, a piece of pie, a cup of coffee the night before the game. It yeah. was something. It was like, and, and it's like, I, I think I asked like 12 people. So I said, should I go to this? Is he trying to find my secrets out at this? Whoa. You know, I swear to God, it was like, it's like everyone says, yes, go, go, go. You know, it's like, all right, you sure? Um, but it was funny. Oh, no, Brayden, that was great. Braden Tyson, I still, Braden Tice is still upset. I think you guys doubled him every yes. time he touched the ball, and we yes. had, we had no answer, and he's still mad as hell. He's like, Coach, you couldn't think of one or two things to do to get me some shots 
uh, I keep telling them, if you were any damn good, you would have got shot. <laughs> yeah, that was our, yeah. And again, I, in, in my, in my career, I've learned to like, all right, we got to get good at these two or three things, you know, like when, you know, we're playing a rival, like some prayer, we're going to do these two or things, things really well. And we're going to make them adjust. Um, and it was, that's what I, I do remember that it was like, we're coming at him and then we're going to make some other people hit some shots at that point. Um, and that was a great game. I, what, what year was that? 2000, was that nine? So I want to say 2008, I think something like, was that eight? Something like that. That might've been eight, eight or nine. Wow. That was, seems like yesterday. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you some questions. Um, if you could only coach three things at practice, what would you coach? Uh, three things. Uh, the first thing would be, uh, ball pressure. We are going to, uh, we are going to try to tenaciously guard the basketball, get some pressure on the ball, uh, and keep that guy, uh, in front of us. Uh, the second thing would be, there's going to be an emphasis on, uh, pushing the basketball. Uh, we are going to try to push in transition. And the third thing is we're going to shoot threes. Uh, I, I think that, um, last two years, that's really, really backfired on us. But I think that, uh, that three point shot is such a, when you're playing people who are better than you, you can actually beat someone. If you can make 16, 17, 18 threes and you can you win can. games you're not supposed to. You can. And we've lost, we've lost at least two state titles because people have hit threes on us. Yes. And not that they weren't better than, not that they weren't better than us, but they, that, that was, that was the difference maker. Um, yeah, the, the the amount of shots being taken, it's it's like the mid range shot is just disappearing. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what the answer in the game is, but it's gone away. Those 12 to 15 footers on our shot charts are not even existent anymore. It's crazy. Um, if you could go back to yourself as a younger coach, what would you tell yourself? Uh, relax. Uh, <laughs> it was life and death. I mean, for a lot of years, you know, it was life, uh, life and death. And it's uh, probably enjoy the wins more and, and don't take the losses so hard. But even at the end here, I mean, we've had two tough years here at Badger at the end. And it's been um, – it's uh, losing is really, really hard, especially after you've been successful, after, after you've won a lot of games or you win a state championship or, you know, you know how those sectional final games are. When you win, right. there is nothing better than winning that sectional final game, knowing you're, you know, you're going to play – uh, in, in the state tournament. And then when you, when you cease to be relevant, you know, uh, relevant and you start to lose, it's, oh, it's, it's, uh, it, it's tough. But I would say, um, you know, some of the situations I handled, I did not handle well just because of the intensity. Um, you know, we had some kids who did not come back out because, you know, because I, I mean, I jumped these guys, uh, right. after games, you know, mistakes that they made. I mean, I, I remember one year we're in the sectional, first game of sectionals, and we had two kids who did not play well. I thought they choked. And I was, I look back at it, I was so stupid because I got those guys after that game, and I mean, I jumped them. Um, I didn't play them in the sectional finals. They both played pretty well in the first game at the state tournament. Right. And both didn't come out next year. And that really hurt us. Uh, at Ladysmith, you had to have everybody that could play come out and these two kids did not come out the next year. And I know it goes back to how I handled that situation after how they played. Right. Sectionals. Stupid. You know what? We won the, we won that game in sectionals. You know, it's, I should have just gone on to the next game. Hey guys, we'll play better the next game. But you know, so a lot of situations like that, I didn't handle well because of the intensity, I think. 
Yeah, I've had Wesley come back to my practices, and he goes, you really mellowed, Coach. I, and he- <laughs> Steve, that's every kid that's ever come back to a practice from back in the day. <laughs> I know. he's going, Well, and I said, Wesley, if I was doing – I'd be dead if I was like I was in my 20s and 30s, you know. Um, it's not that I don't have expectations. It's just, yes, for younger coaches, it'd be like – and I, I mean, I literally wouldn't sleep. We'd lose – I wouldn't – I mean – when we lost our first state title, I, I mean, I, I think I was depressed for a year. I swear to God. I mean, it, it, and it's not life and death. You, we're trying to teach them all sorts of lessons. But, um, yeah. All right. Here's one for you. Can, if you can think of one coaching moment that you could dive into for our audience that you think they could learn from, other than the one you just did. Um, in the uh, semifinals of state tournament, the year we won it, 2003. Um, the games, I mean, we've got the ball. I think we're down two and I am not calling timeout. Uh, to me, I always said we do our work at practice, right? right. If I don't have to call timeout, I am not going to call a uh, timeout. And we got uh, a kid hit a three, Brandon Weimer hit a three. We won the game. And I would say, do your work at practice and don't overcoach them. Uh, during the game, let them yeah. let them play. Yeah, uh, I, I think people try to overcoach too. I mean, I know I did in, in the early part of my career. I was, you know, it's almost like you have to prove that you know what you're doing. <laughs> um, and it's like I don't remember who it was. I mean, it was in our in our in our run there, and it was like someone coming up and said, "Just you got to back off, Steve. You got thoroughbreds. Just get out of their way. <laughs> you know, don't over you know overcoach. And you know, you've done the prep." Whether you win or not, it's up to the kids at that point. And it's like, you know, it was it was an insightful. I don't remember who said it to me, but it was very insightful. It's probably Bruce Dahman, to be honest with you. Um, tell me one time. Uh, tell me one time you think you were all coached. Uh, listen, there's been there's there's been a lot of times, uh, <laughs> a, a, a lot of times that that I have been out coached. It's it's amazing. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back to the year we went to the state tournament here, Badger, 2007, 2008, whatever it was. We're playing with Stosha. A good friend of mine, Brent Mansky, um, yep. is, uh, was, was the head coach there. And um, we have no business losing to these guys. No business uh, losing to these guys. And um, they really, that was the year, the first year we ran dribble drive. And I thought we were a little bit ahead of people right. running, uh, running dribble drive. And we would get down that right lane line, and they were the only team that would rotate their post over and then drop their help side guy down in front of the post. post. So we couldn't make the pass, and we weren't – nobody was skipping the ball to the other side of the court back then. I mean, you see that you see that all the time now where people drive right, skip it all the way back to the left. Right, and he shoot the three, took, yeah. He really took that away from us. And I think that night we were, uh, I want to say we were six for 37 from the uh, three-point line. And it came down to the last play of the game. And they hit a three to win it, and we had fouls to give. And that guy, uh, that guy really outcoached me on that night. And I thought playing you guys in the state tournament, I'll go back to that game because I've watched that film (laughs) several times just – um, just trying to attack your press. You would think, here's a team, we pressed all the time. We, look, we went against the press every night in practice. But I right. thought you guys did a really nice job varying what you did. And I can remember Coach Booz telling me, 
take the 10 second call, don't throw it away and get dunked on, or you're yeah. going to be in trouble. But yeah. we really struggled. I mean, I think <laughs> ain't that the, ain't that that's that's literally what I said to my team all season this year against his team. So isn't it funny how things go in complete circles? It's like don't turn it over, or Jalen or Marlon are going to dunk on us. So take the 10 second call. That's funny. Those are two games that I can think of off the top of my head, but you know what? I, 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 I hate flex. I hate two, three zone, but we have been beaten by people who have run flex and two, three zone. Do you so, still run? Did you run dribble drive the last two years? Uh, no. Hey everybody. I hope you're enjoying this. Um, like I said, I think I, you know, I put coach Larson up on a pedestal as far as his coaching ability. So I hope you're, I hope you're listening um, and taking down some notes, don't not when you're driving, um, but when you're you're listening. Uh, I would also ask that you go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14 day free trial. Prices are going up. End of October. Time to get in. All right, let's get back to the let's get back to the meat and potatoes of what you. Really uh, no, we just weren't good enough. We started out with kind of a version of it this year, and we literally could not drive the ball to the rim. Just really struggled on on uh, catching and attacking closeouts. And so we kind of went back to four out, one in motion. Uh, okay. So. Kind of a read and react kind of uh, movement thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, if you could talk to one coach, living or dead, who would you talk to and why? Um, you know what? It's, uh, I would probably you know, go the John Wooden route, just everything I've read about uh, that guy. And it was never life or death for him. And he was a preparation guy. We're doing all this stuff. We're getting it done in practice. Everything from how we put our socks on to right. look at the guys that he coached that bought in. Uh, I'm not quite sure he could get that done today with kids today, but just how the players he had and how they bought into what he was doing uh, at, that, at that level. And uh, Jack Bennett told me one time, uh, hey, your program, you know, what you're doing. Uh, are you successful year in, year out? And obviously what he did there, he was successful year in, year out. So I would say, you know, maybe John Wooden. And who would who who alive would you want to talk to? Uh, if I had to spend time with anybody, uh, I would go back and spend uh, time with Billy Donovan. That guy was, um, uh, and once again, I'll go back. Uh, Tom Oster, a good friend of mine, a guy that's at Indiana now, he was on Coach Donovan's staff for I don't know how many years, but I probably made uh, 13, 14 trips to um, Florida when Coach okay. Donovan was there. Yep. And he was very, very gracious in terms of the practices, the individual instruction, the stuff that I learned there uh, was awesome. And now I'd like to find out what he's doing differently in terms of the guys he's working with at OKC versus right. back in the day. At uh, Florida, you got yeah, it's it's interesting because I think if you're a coach, you're a coach. I tell people wherever you are is should be your that should be your job. That should be the excitement you're on because these guys. I think Brad Stevens would be another intriguing one um, yep. that that has gone from you know I think one of the best coaches in the NCAA to obviously he's winning this year with two of his best players hurt. Um, it's when he took that job. With the Celtics, I was shocked. I didn't right. know he was held in such high regard and esteem by guys in the by Danny Ainge in the NBA and the success he's had. It's it's incredible what that guy uh, what what that guy has done. Yeah, it's it's it, it yeah, it really is. Um, do you have any superstitions? Uh, you know what? I basically wear the same thing uh, okay. to every game. 
Um, not that it did me any good the last two years. <laughs> change the uh, change of superstitions. So, so what, uh, what, what do you think the biggest change in the game the last 15 years is? And what do you think the biggest change moving forward is going to be? I would, you know what? I, I don't know what the biggest change has been. I don't know if it's changed a lot. You know, are, are, are more guys, you know, uh, we kind of went through that phase where guys were shooting 30, 35 threes. You know, maybe that phase has come and gone. It right. seemed Dribble Drive got here. Some schools were running that. And then that kind of, you know, that kind of went away uh, very, very quickly. Now you got the whole ball screen thing that's coming. Yep. Um, how much – I don't think a lot of that has filtered down to high school yet. You know, some guys are running that continuity uh, ball screen offense, but the high school game doesn't look – like the NBA game yet in terms of the thing is with ball screens. Here's my theory with ball screens is I'm coming at you. If you set a ball screen, I'm going to double. I mean, kids, kids don't pass out of those ball screens. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are kids and you know, Jalen would be an example of someone six, eight and can pass out of it. Most high school kids, if you double them, the the role in the pass is not there on a regular basis on that ball screen. Um, How good are high school kids? Reading a hard hedge, soft hedge. Right. Um, and I don't have time to go through all those. I mean. Okay. Coach, that's another thing you got to teach, right? Right. It's, it's another thing you got to teach. Uh, but, you know, is that going to get to the high school level? Like, you know, it's obviously going to go on NBA, college now. You know, is it going to filter down to uh, the, the high school level? You know, our our coach is going to get better at kind of creating that false motion so you can't get out there and double it. And, right. Um, so I think there's like these phases that we've kind of gone through the and, last few And to be years. honest with you, this is my whole issue with the shot clock. I have no problem with the shot clock if, if it's like 40 seconds or something. I just oh, – You let the charge against it. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> so, so hold on. Here's the reason why. There's two reasons. The reason why is I don't think – I don't think – I think the game – is not – I don't think the high school game is ready for it. I think what makes a high school game unique is our ability to do all, multiple things. I think there's going to be a lot of really bad shots taken in high school basketball. There's going to be a lot of ball screens. I think the game is going to become very similar. Do you disagree? Um, I'm not quite sure if there's a shot clock. Is that going to increase ball screens? Hey, at the end of the shot clock – you know, yes. a lot of college teams, they set the ball, okay, 10 seconds left. We're going to ball screen on top here. Um, Who can create, though? What percentage of kids can create when the shot clock gets down to eight seconds? Uh, not many. Not not many. I tell you if, you, if you've got one of those guys, you're way ahead of everybody right. else. Right, and, and there's a lot in our league. I mean, I, I'm not talking about our league. I'm talking about maybe Lady Smith on an off, seat, off year or Lady Smith girls. I mean – I, that's my that's my concern. I, the whole money and running it and all that stuff. Okay, whatever. But I I just I think what makes us different than high school and college is is the ability to to, to change to play different styles. That's my issue. I mean, I've played multiple styles. You know, the teams I had in the stretch where we wanted to have 150 possessions, and I haven't had those teams. So now I've changed our style to slow down and. You know, you know, be able to compete with a team like some Prairie because we we wouldn't have been able to compete with a shot clock against them. I mean, you're basically would, a team like that. I would say at the extreme end, you don't see this a lot. I can remember the the one year I did the color uh, or the whatever I yeah. was doing, Madison play yep. by play. Yep. Uh, 
I think it was, I want to say Oshkosh West and Dean are at, uh, where was he still at in Milwaukee? Um, oh, yeah, he was he at Hamilton. He was at Hamilton, I think. Oh, wasn't at Hamilton yet. He was at, uh, uh, where did he win? Was he Vincent? He was uh, still at Vincent. Okay. And I think the halftime score was 12-10. And, right. uh, you know, so that's kind of the extreme. You don't see that a lot. Right. But I can remember uh, Dale Parr at Bloomer. He would drive me up the wall. He would get a six-point lead against us, and Dale was a competitive dude, good coach. Right. They would, they would run flex, and he would space it, bring it up high. And <laughs> here we go. We'd be chasing these guys, yeah. and it was like it was maddening. And right. I prayed to God we would have had a shot clock back then. Right. Uh, eventually, they would have had to shoot the ball. But, right. um, you know, I was in favor of it. I, I don't know, you know. We took a lot of bad shots without a shot clock. The last couple, <laughs> last we did. Years. But you even yeah. look at like the some Prairie game at the state tournament. I don't know if that Brookfield team plays with them if there's a shot clock. Um, I, I agree. Joel Rux is going to grind you. He, he is. He, he's going to. He's the best at grinding you with that. Uh, uh, with that. With that offense. Uh, right. Would have a shot clock favored Sun Prairie? Absolutely. Right. Uh, you know, do we want to see Jalen Johnson get more opportunities, or do we want to watch a Joel Rux? run offense. I'd right. rather see Johnson get more opportunities. Right. Know? Right. I just think it was what, ma- I just think it was, it's what makes high school basketball unique. Um, I think it's coming. Don't get me wrong. I think it's coming. Um, I think it's probably five to 10 years down the line, probably. Um, but, it, it, and if it's 35, 40 seconds, it's really not going to affect the game. I don't think. I would if, agree it's, with that. if it's 30, it's going to affect the game. Because I'm going to two two I'm going to two two one press you. I'm going to take eight seconds off right there. You know what? That's what that's what everybody in the WEAC said they were going to do, and none of them do it. Once the shot clock went down, they don't uh, do it. I don't see any. Yeah, my my son's the assistant coach at uh, uh, UW River Falls, okay. so I see a lot of WEAC basketball, and I can remember, you know, Matt Cyberling, who I coached at Ladysmith. He's a head coach at uh, UW Eau Claire, and yep. I remember those guys saying hey we're gonna press you once the shot clock went down i think they got a 30 second shot clock now but i don't see anybody in the in the we act pressing to take um uh you know to make you use that make use that eight seconds it'd be interesting there's more zones it'd be interesting coach what if we had like a 10 second shot clock how awesome would that be how up (laughs) and down How up and down? How up and down would that game be? If you, uh, you know what? If I'm better than everybody, I want a shot clock too. You know, yeah. <laughs> Bob Knight saying that he said, "Hey, if you want to see pure skill, ten second shot clock, and you're going to see the better right. team." Right. Uh, in, and in the, the thing is, here's my theory: is if I'm better than you, I want more possessions. <laughs> you know that I just want to get up and down. I want more possessions. I agree. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's coming, but. It's funny because I remember Patino uh, back at his clinic in 92 when he takes over Kentucky. He said, hey, if you're uh, – and I still laugh about it because, you know, uh, he said, hey, you got you to press. If you're the worst team, you got to get up and press. You got to get more pos- – more. this is what he said at the clinic. You got to <laughs> get, uh, you know, more possessions. If you're, you know, if, uh, you know, just the opposite of what we're saying. And I still right. laugh about that. Uh, and – he was working obviously with some different guys at Kentucky than yeah. uh, you and I. <laughs> with, with. A, li- a little bit different. Yeah. All right, I'm going to give you. We're going to do. We'll do. We do. We call this rapid fire. So I'm going to ask you a question. You get one. We get one answer. Okay. 
Listen, uh, I'm one year from Social Security here, so this might take a little, a little bit of time. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite brand of basketball? Like the actual basketball? Yeah, the actual basketball. Uh, I don't like the Spalding. I like the other one the kids like, and I can't, I can't remember the brand. The Rock? So, the, the No, not the Rock. Uh, Nike, the Sterling. It's Auden. Uh, I think a lot of colleges use it. It's, uh, it's got Wilson. a lot better. Wilson? Yeah, it's a Wilson. Wilson. Like okay. Wilson, a lot better. Yeah, okay. Uh, one word to describe your ideal player. Tough. Okay. One sporting event you could go to. Final four. Uh, it's in Minneapolis this year, too. I think I'm going to take my son. Um, favorite pregame meal? Uh, I always have um, – Jesus. I've really changed uh, what I've been eating here through the years. I always have oatmeal with fruit. Easy mm -hmm. on the Easy on the stomach. Okay, that's good. Um, one thing you do to relax? Uh, workout, run, bike. Okay, best player you've seen in person? Uh, the best player I've seen in person, probably Larry Bird. Unbelievable. I, I, I was telling, I was telling Brendan, sir, I interviewed him last week. I was telling him that cause he's, he was a big, um, he was a big, uh, five-star guy. And I went to blue chip and I said, I told him a story about, it. I saw, I got to see elite Akeem Olajuwon play Larry Bird one-on-one -on -one at that camp. It was wow. crazy. I mean, it's like, I wish I'd had a phone at that point. Um, uh, best player of all time. Best player of all time, Michael Jordan. He is winning hands down. Maybe it's just, it would be interesting what the younger generation would say. Um, one thing that helped you become a better coach. Uh, the access that I've had to guys like Dick Bennett, Don Miller, Billy Donovan, people who have gone out of their way uh, to let me into their practices and to share with me. Yep. Giving back. What, uh, best game you have seen in person. Uh, best game I've seen in person. Wow. Now I would have to say, uh, when I was at the Dayton game, it was the playing game about three years ago, I'm in Dayton and they're playing somebody from out West and, uh, Dayton hits a shot. D Dayton fans are unbelievable. I right. mean, they are, they are the best. And, uh, I think they're playing someone like Wyoming or someone like that. And it was a game went right down to the end. And Dayton hit a three to win the game and crowd goes crazy. Unbelievable. The, uh, I've not told anybody I've done this a long time. I haven't told anybody my, the best game I've ever seen. I saw, I saw the West Matthews hit the shot from half court to beat magic Johnson's Michigan state game at the, at the field house. When really? I was a kid. Yeah. I was, I, I, I was sitting in the first bel uh, the second balcony of the field house. I, oh, my. I still remember that. That's probably what got me addicted to, to basketball. Um, one, one word to describe your coaching style. I would say intense. Um, top bench player of all time. Uh, I'm going to say, boy, what are we looking at? Are we looking at NBA here? Any, anything you want. In, in, anything, uh, anything you want. Top bench player. That's. Man, that's that's a tough one. I'm gonna say Mark Clowder, uh, Phillips High School, 1975. We used to refer to him as the Super Sub because <laughs> Indiana had a guy. Indiana had a guy who they referred to their six man 
Uh, I think his last name was Green, if I'm not mistaken. God, my memory is so bad, Steve. Uh, but we had this guy, Mark Clowder, lefty, could come off the bench, immediately made shots when he came into the game. Microwave. Somebody, we call it the uh, microwave. We were always looking for a microwave to come off the bench. Uh, uh, best coach of all time. I'm going to say Dick Bennett, uh, hands down. You know, probably not the world's best recruiter, but uh, I always argue with guys about this, that that guy – he made it to the final four with not one NBA player on his roster. And he's playing Florida and Michigan. All those guys got NBA guys. And here Dick Bennett is with division two guys. I right. swear to God. And he's competing for a national championship. Not many people could get that done. Yeah. Um, one book you'd recommend. Uh, can't remember. Um, uh, I would, uh, I would say the first book written by uh, Mike Krzyzewski when he first started winning at Duke, and I can't remember the title of it. Is it the it, heart one? I'll look. No, 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 no. This was, this was well before that. Okay. It was, I think he first won. I mean, he still had guys like Jay Billis playing, so this was early 90s. Okay. That book book was awesome and i can't remember the name of it but it was his first book it was his first book okay and 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 the last question is what would you tell a young coach really uh you have to be number one technically good you got to know what you're teaching right <laughs> yes. uh kids whether it's in the classroom or on the basketball court takes them about 10 seconds to figure out hey does this guy know what the hell he's talking about and then number two, I, I think you have got to really uh, know how to build relationships. And for me, uh, that goes back to working with kids when they're in second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And, uh, you know, like everybody in uh, Ladysmith, all those little guys knew who Coach Larson was because I was in the gym with them every day. Not so much in, uh, you know, Lake Geneva. But I think you start building those relationships early with kids. By the time they get into high school, they know the expectations. They know how you conduct business. They know, uh, you know, they know that you really care about about them because you, you know, you've done more than give them a t-shirt. You've spent right. time with them. Yep, and I think, I, and I've I've said this a thousand times. I think it's like you're depositing money into the bank. So when you need to pull it out, when you're hard on them, most kids can yes. then handle it because I mean that relationship building is so big. Um, and that's been my shift over the last 10 years probably is I, from now until season starts is a lot of it is, is me. Cause I'm getting older. Is a lot of it's me building relationships with them. Um, you know, figuring out their world. Cause you and I are getting old. <laughs> uh, I'm getting old. I don't know. How old are you? I'm 51. 51. I can't. <laughs> See? I'm 10 years up on you. Well, I really appreciate this coach. Thank you for doing this. Coach, this is awesome. This really was awesome. Hey, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that. Please subscribe and like. Pretty please. Go four or five stars. It takes you 30 seconds. Um, it may, means a lot to us when you do that. Uh, allows me to have the time to do this. I keep showing my wife, look, there's people listening. So go over and do that. Um, also, if you're thinking of jumping into teachhoops.com, do it now. Don't wait. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network.